Hey guys, it's Avery. Before you listen to our July episode, I gotta first off apologize for my audio quality this episode. I was definitely at my grandmother's house in California and did not realize that the window was open. Anyway, on to our show. All right. Hello and welcome back to From A to Xenon. I'm a- I almost said I'm Avery. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Avery. Stop. <laughs> It would be nice. It would be nice. <laughs> I'm Jihan. I'm Avery. You've never dreamed of switching places? I wish we were talking Freaky Friday or something so that I could explain what I just did, but no, it was a simple slip of the tongue. A Freudian slip. <laughs> I'm Jihan. You're Avery, and we're talking about Rip Girls. Yeah. You know, it's July, summertime, and you know, Jahan and I, you know, we debated this this mm-hmm. July about what we were going to talk about, but Jahan wanted to take us to the beach. She wanted to take us to Hawaii. I, honestly, now that I've said this, having watched it, we are never once told it is summer. Are we? Like You're right. No. <laughs> we know it's beautiful there because it's Hawaii, but they never say it's summer. She's not in school. We'll get into who she is, but there, there's no evidence of school or honestly any concerns about any school of any sort. So that's something to think about. You are absolutely right. <laughs> um, but I did choose this for the uh, beachy vibes and also because some of our other choices were musicals and we do go long on musical episodes and we went long on our Cadet Kelly episode. So <laughs> <laughs> needed to take us to the sea. Keep it quick and breezy. All right, let's do it. This is a real tween beach movie. (laughs) So we open up and we're on an airplane Mm -hmm. and we got a little, we got a little narration going in the background and we have a teen girl saying, so this is it. I'm coming home, sort of. And it kind of like sets the scene of like, ooh, what's going on? Like, where is she going? What's happening? And we come to find out that our girl is named Sydney. We are on a plane headed to Hawaii with her dad and her stepmom, Elizabeth. It's the only mom she's known. So we already have a dead mom. (laughs) Real quick. And you know what? Not just a dead mom, a dead mom who... She basically only has memories that are pictures of her. <laughs> yes. She doesn't even know if the memories are real. That's very sad. Yes, yes. So hitting all the decon tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sydney's on this plane and she's already taking pictures because she's very much into photography. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're driving, we're seeing the beautiful scenes of Hawaii. Fun fact, this film was filmed in Australia, but that's okay. <laughs> Not Hawaii. That feels harder to fil- get to for film. I know. I know. But we are we are filming in Australia. But it takes place in Hawaii. And so, you know, we're pulling up. We're driving the car. And we pull up. And Jahan, I don't know about you, but I was quite concerned. Because I have seen this movie once. But it had been a long time. So I didn't fully remember what's going on. But when Sydney and her family pull up. There's, there's someone in the palm trees with binoculars watching them? I was so concerned. Okay, I didn't catch the binoculars there, but this binocular figure will show up again. And when I saw them the second time, I was like, 
what's going on here? <laughs> I was so concerned because I hadn't seen this movie in such a long time. And I was like, is someone out to get them? <laughs> and I don't think they really truly address the binoculars. Like we know eventually, I think who, like, I, I mean, eventually we know who it is and why, but it's not addressed that they are be- were it being watched ever. Yeah. <laughs> so major concern. Setting you up right now to know you will not be satisfied with the results of the binocular discovery. <laughs> um, so yeah, they get to this house, they're looking around. Um, it's dusty, but Sydney immediately takes off exploring and finds her way to a beach where she takes pictures of kids surfing. And she gets back to explore the dusty house and somehow her dad and Elizabeth still haven't made it inside. What were they doing? Canoodling, I bet. <laughs> yeah, and then um, the executor of the will shows up. His name is Bo. Basically, this house, the land it's on, it's all called Mackay and it's being let all left to Sydney as the last remaining heir to Miss Leilani. She is her sister's granddaughter. So this is uh, Sydney's great aunt's place, and it all goes to her. But she had to come in person to take possession and has to stay two weeks to inherit. Yes. And might I say, this is very stressful for a 13-year-old. At least I think. This is real stress for a 13-year-old because this, like, land has been in the family for five generations and 13-year-old Sydney has to stay here for two weeks and basically decide like what they are going to do with the place. A place that she does not know and is sort of home. What? Right. Well, she doesn't know anything about like who, I guess at this point, we don't know who's going to be making the, like we know she has to inherit it, but it does seem like dad's gonna have a say i guess at this point Bo is talking about how you know it's run down but the land is still fertile they've grown sugarcane pineapple raised cattle on this land and the dad's basically like sorry you want us to have a working plantation this is beachfront property and like Bo's like there's still value in the old ways so like we know which way dad's leaning right off the bat he's ready to clean it up and sell it and there have already been inquiries, but Bo doesn't seem particularly excited about that. Um, but, you know, they don't get into it because suddenly Sydney pops up with a photo album, <laughs> which includes a picture of her mom with a surfboard. And she's never seen any pictures of her like that. Mom's got a whole hidden side. I also just want to call out that we should talk fit at some point. <laughs> Because Sydney, Sydney flew in what would have been my dressiest outfit in the year 2000. She's wearing like a slip skirt, one of those little sweaters that has like a hint of a cami at the collar and is clearly like sewn inside. And it's all periwinkle, which was the dressiest color in the year 2000. A good periwinkle, a good, a good purpley blue. Stunning. Stop. <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> What is this, a middle school graduation? She's going off for her flight. (laughs) I only want to laugh because I'm pretty sure my sister's eighth grade, like, prom or graduation (laughs) or whatever they had, she, my sister had a periwinkle dress with periwinkle shoes to match. I promise you, in the year 2000, one of my brothers graduated middle school and I showed up in a, like, periwinkle slip dress with a little jacket (laughs) yes 
so she looks stunning is what I'm saying. <laughs> Dressed to kill for this flight. Like, don't you dress like in pajamas for flights or sweats? No, not Sydney. Um, <laughs> the next day, there is a cat. The cat's been around for a scene. It's an old looking cat. I don't know why. Wait a second. That cat belongs to a character we haven't met yet, and I just realized that. What? Is the cat a paid actor? <laughs> we see the cat at Malia's later. Oh, I didn't even put two and two together. Me neither till right now. Anyway, basically, the cat leads her to an old barn where there is a weird old owl being a little freak. <laughs> um, and there's like all this spooky music playing, like spooky music to the point where you're like, is this no longer a fun family film? This is too scary. This music's too scary. But it seems like there's going to be a scary discovery, but all she discovers is a really cool surfboard. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then the owl hoots and <laughs> I want to call something out. She runs away here because the owl hoots. From my eyes, what I saw was Camilla Bell, Sydney played by Camilla Bell, running incredibly slowly with the surfboard. <laughs> but she then crashes into a girl named Gia who says, why were you running Mach 10? Like she was going super fast. I went back to look at it again. This girl is essentially walking. <laughs> <laughs> make it look like she was running fast yeah i did want to say that they're bumping like they're bumping into each other wasn't as extreme like i have been in my notes of like this was not a serious bump it <laughs> this was a casual greeting yeah this is two people passing each other on the street they, they don't bump into each <laughs> Gia is knocked off her bike or like knocked over and like is like be careful. Gia meets Sydney and Gia is very impressed with Sydney's board. Mm-hmm. And so and automatically Gia's like, oh, like you must be the long lost relative with the weird will. And I love Sydney's like, how do you know that? <laughs> and I love Gia's response of like, it's the island sister. Like everybody knows <laughs> who each other are. Yeah. I do love Gia. So Gia is another teen girl, another um, uh, Hawaiian girl who has like very chill vibes, so friendly, so sweet. And she's like uh, inviting her out to things. And, you know, Sydney's going along with this, right? She pretends she like Gia likes her board. So she pretends to know how to surf because she wants the she wants to be friends with this cool girl. And she tells her dad that night that she wants to go to the beach the next day with her new friend Gia. Um, and he's like, no. And I will say, she says she's 13 and he's treating her like a baby. And I understand that there are some troubles in this relationship, mother, uh, father and daughter. Like we've seen already that he's very overprotective. Like he like, she was taking a picture out of the window of the plane and he was like, buckle up, sit down, get whatever. Like they, they really already laid it on thick. Um, but 13 also is a baby. <laughs> Like, Disney, you're putting out this movie where 13-year-olds are going to think they're, like, independent beings? No, 13's a baby. Sydney's like, you're treating me like a baby. Dad's like, no, the waves, the riptides, like, it's too dangerous. And so Sydney's over here promising, like, what if I don't go into the water? Like, what if I just want to take pictures? And even Elizabeth, the stepmom, is like, let her go. Like, 
<laughs> Elizabeth is on Sydney's side. Yeah, because Elizabeth has seems I will say throughout the movie seems to be the one holding the the marriage's solitary brain. <laughs> All disrespect to the father. <laughs> and so the next day, Dad does let her go to the beach, but like asks her a kajillion times, like, "Do you have your cell phone?" She's like, "Yes." Do you know the number? Yes. Like, dad is clearly over-worried and anxious about letting her go. Um, Meanwhile, dad and Elizabeth, while Sydney's off to the beach, dad and Elizabeth are meeting with some, like, realtors or, like, some people who are there because, you know, they're wanting to do something with the plantation. They have some weird vibes, these realtors, and I feel like we don't get into it enough in the film. I know. They gave me creepy feels. Yeah. They're, like, kind of being played, like... Meredith Blakey but like without any payoff or like even like you you know what I'm saying like they gave me the vibes of it takes two (laughs) the adoptive parents who like Mm -hmm. want to adopt her and they're like slimy and gross and it's like ew like you know that they're clearly not the ones yes that's the vibe that they gave me oh Another good example of that is in Stuart Little when those two mice adopt are like, where are your long lost biological mice parents? And it turns out they're mice actors. (laughs) (laughs) So she has been allowed to go, permitted that she just takes pictures. Um, First of all, I do agree with that. I don't trust the sea. I don't trust the ocean. And I certainly wouldn't trust a 13-year-old child alone at the ocean. So I'm not, like, totally anti-dad. But anyway, Sydney goes to the uh, uh, the beach. She agrees to just take pictures. And that's what she does at first. But we didn't point out that while dad wasn't looking and was with the realtor people, Sydney goes sneaks and brings her surfboard to the beach. Ooh. Wow. So you mean her plan wasn't to just take pictures? <laughs> Um, And Gia introduces Sydney to all these other fun kids at the beach, including Kona, who is a dreamboat of a boy who has a cast, so he can't get in the water and surf. Didn't he break his arm on a half pipe or something like that? Yes, I think skateboarding. So he also Mm -hmm. skateboards. So he's Mm -hmm. dreamboat, dreamboat qualities. Standing next to him takes some beautiful, gorgeous pictures of him. And uh, he turns and is, like, asking her all these sorts of things about surfing, talking about how, you know, like, she's got a longboard, which is more like being in touch with the ocean, but shortboarding's about, like, taking your own path, and uh, that works on Sydney. To be clear, this boy is just saying words, but Sydney's like, you're a poet, my god. (laughs) (laughs) She's a goner. Yeah, our girl Sydney has fallen real hard. And Kona's over here, like, everyone surfs here. You don't surf unless you're a major dork. And it comes up pretty quickly that, like, he figures out that, like, she's never surfed. Yeah. And he, he just guesses. <laughs> yeah. Like... And Sydney at first, yeah, she tries to cover it up at first, but then she's like, it's too dangerous. It's too risky. It's too everything. Um,. And so then Gia and her friends um, decide that they are going to take it upon themselves to teach Sydney how to surf. And I thought that was really sweet. 
because at this like we don't see her face any consequences for having pretended to know how to surf at this point right like the girls are just like yeah sure let's do it um they like skip right over any like conversation about it and we're already watching Gia and the girls teach her but then um it's time for her to get out there and like she's like and Gia's like are you scared and she's like yeah um but like being scared is half the fun. Um, your heart pounding so hard you want to quit, but then doing it anyway. So, is our girl Sydney going to get out there? Yes. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, she does. <laughs> so our girl gets out there, and I had to laugh because how many takes did Camila Bell have to do falling off of her board on the shallow end? <laughs> I died. You know, she gets out there and obviously her first time, she's not great. But Gia reminds her, like, you don't surf for your friends. You do it for yourself, for the way it makes you feel inside. And I just thought that that was beautiful and so applicable to, like, every hobby or, like, Mm -hmm. everything that, like, people love. You shouldn't do it for other people. You should do it for yourself. We don't do this podcast for other people, even though only six of you listen. (laughs) We do it for... We do it for how it feels on the inside. Just like surfing, this is like floating on clouds for us. (laughs) Something else Gia says about surfing. But yes, Sydney does pretty much give up immediately after falling off like two times, two, three times. Yes. And I was just like, girl is not resilient. And also, this is when I saw someone watching her with binoculars. Yep. <laughs> and again, who is this person? Um, and Gia, Gia's like, I mean, don't worry. It's your first day. You'll get it. And she's like, I've only got two weeks. Um, and this is when Gia's like, oh, but you're not staying? What about Makai? And uh, Sydney's like, sorry, my dad's an English professor and my stepmom designs fabrics. I don't think they want to move here. Um great point sydney but gia does ask her what does what do you want what does sydney want what does sydney want and that's it's funny because it's presented as if like nobody's ever asked sydney what she wants but it's also like you're 13. (laughs) do you know like i think that a lot of the weirdness of this movie is like it's they're entrusting a lot of like decision making on this 13 year old but also why would a 13 year old know what they want (laughs) i don't know i don't know (laughs) meanwhile our girl sydney goes home and sydney and elizabeth have a talk sit uh elizabeth wants to know if she had fun sydney wants to know what's going on and is dad okay because he's been acting weird since they've gotten here and elizabeth's like oh there's nothing wrong just like adult boring stuff and Sydney's like, you know, dad treats me like I'm made of glass. And Sydney over here confesses to Elizabeth that sometimes she wishes that she'd try more things and be more adventurous. And I don't know about you, Jahan, but I felt this as a as a foreshadowing, as a as a <laughs> as a maybe our girl is here on the island to learn something. Yeah, there's a lot of lessons happening in this movie now that you've said it. But yeah, like you know, he treats her like she's a piece of glass and she's not even like being that crazy, she says, right? She's like really careful, but like sometimes she wishes she wasn't. 
Um, like she could just try things like everyone else and not think so much. This is, she's like a really anxious young girl who has been raised like also super sheltered. So I think that combination like has made her really like, really like tightly wound. Um, uh, but Elizabeth's a really great like stepmom. She's like, we all do things at our own pace. And you know, it's okay if you think too much, you just, just keep using that head of yours. You're really good at it. Also, Elizabeth absolutely picked up her trunks off the floor and knows she went in the ocean, but doesn't say anything about it, which is good vibes, Elizabeth. A real one. That, that said, if I were Sydney and I lied about going in the ocean, would I drop my trunks on the floor? No. Our girl could do a little bit better at hiding things. We can, we'll just put that out there. <laughs> sure. Um, um. In the next scene, we are at the real estate office and mm-hmm. we find out that there is a family called the Hordens who have put an offer on Mackay um, and had put an offer in before Sydney even arrived, but Miss Leilani had refused to sell. Um, mm-hmm. The Hordens want to make the plantation the Horden Resort at Plantation Mackay. Sydney is concerned about about keeping the historical structures. She wants to know: Are the is the beach only going to be open to the guests? Sydney has questions, and the realtors, you know, are all like, "Oh, well, we can write down your stipulations. We can talk to the Hordens. We can make sure that these things happen." Like really just trying to say whatever is going to get her to sell. Yeah, and I'm not even sure the Hordens are a family. It seems to be like some sort of like resort corporation. Like You're right. Uh, yeah, so there's like big money. And I think what's a little scary about it, understandably for the island, for the people who live there, is that like, this is a corporation. This isn't a family. This isn't these aren't people who actually care about the island in any way. So Sydney, concerns aside, goes back to surf again. And, you know, Gia thinks she's owning those waves today. And we get this great moment of Sydney, Sydney standing up on her first wave. We've got a real fun classic decom song playing. Like she gets up, but then she bails. And, but she's so happy and excited and Gia's so excited for her. I will say, Sydney is surfing barefoot as people usually do. Tell me why every other shot in this scene she's wearing sneakers. She's wearing sneakers when she falls off the board in the water. They're sneakers. <laughs> I didn't when even she... notice. <laughs> like, like she truly, like half of the scene she's wearing sneakers and half she isn't. And I don't understand <laughs> why they didn't. Why? Why were they like, yeah, let's. Film this scene with her sneakers on. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> but yeah, it's really exciting. You know, Sydney gets, stands up on her first wave and has this new friend who's really excited for her. And then we go back to to the beach to to chat, to have a little girl talk about a certain dream boat. <laughs> we see Kona on the top of like the hill and he like it's weird because there's like a little what do you call those things obviously a half pipe oh it is a half pipe okay there's a little yeah. like half pipe at the top of the hill looking below the beach so they see Kona on the half pipe uh, like practicing because he obviously can't get into the water and he waves 
And so Sydney asked Gia if she likes him. And Gia's like, yeah, we're tight. Like, he's my best friend. <laughs> and then it dawns. I love this. <laughs> and then it dawns on Gia. Like, Gia, like, finally catches on and realizes what Sydney's actually saying. And, <laughs> and she's like, oh, do you mean, like, like him? <laughs> it's such a funny back and forth because she's like, Sydney's like trying to be so like sneaky about it. I'm telling you, she is gone for this boy. She has known for collectively 20 minutes. And she's like, <laughs> Good Kona, are you like tight? Yeah, he's my boy. So you like him completely. He's my best friend. <laughs> and Gia simply, the implication is that Gia simply does not know how teenagers normally gossip. <laughs> Or that, like, it is not the same in Hawaii or something, because Gia's like, oh, man, you like... First of all, she goes, wait, do you, do you like him? Sydney doesn't say words. This is one of my favorite moments of Camilla Bell's performance, because she just does the weirdest, like, little shrug smile face. It's adorable, but she looks eight years old. <laughs> and Gia's like, hey, that's awesome. He'll be stoked. Let me tell him. <laughs> and truly, Sydney's like, yo, 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 what the fuck? Stop. <laughs> Maybe not in those exact words. No, I think her words were <laughs> kept it a little PG for this movie. She goes, please, no, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> and Gia's like, he'd be stoked, though, if we told him. <laughs> and then, like, so Sydney decides to get deep about Kona, right? Instead of just like moving on, she's like, is he really as together as he seems? And I must repeat, she has spent five minutes with this boy. Um, and Gia's like, yeah, he's a really good listener. You can tell him anything. <laughs> um, and Gia really is a perfect wing woman. She is hyping our boy up. She's like, he even draws cartoons. Kona's a star. <laughs> I don't think she needed to help Kona. I think Sydney was already on board, but but now, now it's it's serious. <laughs> so Gia convinces Sydney to go. To, uh, Gia convinces Sydney to go back out there, um, but the wave is too big, and Sydney actually has a really scary moment. Yeah, they're they're in the ocean. They're you know trying to find the perfect wave. Gia goes, no, not that one. And then Sydney gets tumbled in the waves. Like my girl was seriously like tumbling though, and I was like, <laughs> help. Um, she has what I would call a Meredith Grey esque moment because in the early seasons of Grey's Anatomy, there's this like very famous like sweeps week episode where Meredith Grey is essentially drowning the whole episode. <laughs> what? <laughs> it might be longer than an episode and it's like very famous because Meredith is drowning and aware of it and simply does not try to live and in this moment that's our girl Sydney like we see her kind of like looking up at the sky and like aware like she's aware something's happening who goes to save her <laughs> our boy Coda said cast be damned I gotta go get my woman <laughs> he goes <laughs> He gets into the water, despite the cast. Mm-hmm. He he goes and rescues her. And I'm trying to figure out how, you know, 
how logistically this is possible because Kona was like all the way at the top of the hill at the half pipe. G is in mm-hmm. the water with Sydney and somehow Kona got to Sydney before Gia. And I also want to point out that I swear to God, they were only in four feet of water because you could see the bottom of the ocean floor. <laughs> Interesting. I'm hearing a lot of a lot of theories you have, Avery, but what I saw with my eyes is that Kona is a hero. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean I'm not I'm not gonna deny. I mean I'm not going to deny, but I also want to point out that in between the like ethereal chorus singing and like Gia looking up at the water, I was like, girl, I see this ocean floor. You can stand up. (laughs) Put your feet on the ground. You're probably wearing sneakers. (laughs) Um, Kona gets to her first and then with Gia's help, they get her to the shore and um, she like kind of comes to with all the girls around her. She has a cut on her head and seems to have lost consciousness. Oh, MG. Uh, so Gia has them get her mom. Sydney wakes up in Gia's mom's house. Uh, her name is Malia. And Malia is cool as hell. She really is. She's like, oh, she's like, don't you go feeling sorry for yourself. You're fine. And I love that. What a great first line. Um, although Sydney's, she's, Sydney's like, I don't really want to talk about it. And Malia's like, Great, tell me all about it. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I guess Sydney's talking about it. <laughs> and Sydney does say it felt like she was outside of her body watching herself drown. And I was like, more Meredith Grey vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, she gives her like a uh, traditional drink that's supposed to help you heal, I believe. That's mm-hmm. what she says. Um, and then Gia comes back and is like, so when are you getting back out there? And I do love what Sydney says, because she says, how about a week after never? <laughs> but, you know, I think that's just part of, like, the vibe that, like, Gia and Kona and, like, all the people of the island have. It's a, you fail, you get off your surfboard, and you, like, get back out there and try again. I also want to point out that during this, like, interaction between Malia and Sydney. Malia says that Sydney reminds her of her. Like, or reminds, like, oh, you remind me so much of her. And we're like, who is the her? But I think it's like presumed that she's talking about Sydney's mom. And it's like, did Malia know Sydney's mom? Right. We're finally getting like little, little, little kernels of information. And then Sydney sees that her board is broken. Mm -hmm. And Gia's like, oh, maybe my mom can fix it. Gia's mom clearly recognizes the board and she tells her it was her mother's Nani Loa, which is that what it says, it says Nani Loa on it. That was her mother's nickname. And she uh, starts telling, so the per- she does tell her that that's who she reminds her of. And we find out that Malia and uh, Sydney's mom grew up together. And she starts telling her all about her laugh and her energy and how wonderful she was. And Sydney says, now that I have something of hers and I'm hearing about her, it's almost like she's real. So Sydney's never had anything to hold on to of her mom. Which honestly, shame on Sydney's dad for not telling her anything about her mom. And that's like the thing too, because like Malia's shocked that she's like, your dad hasn't told you anything about your mom. It's just so heartbreaking. She doesn't even know like her mom's cool nickname. That's like... I think it's this and then a a scene coming up that really, one of my big takeaways from the movie, uh, this is a podcast with two uh, women of color hosting. um, 
And you really can't co-parent with just anybody. <laughs> like, you, you cannot trust just any white person with your shared children with that white person. Okay, I, okay. I'm so glad that you are bringing this up because it's not in my notes, but I definitely felt this way of like, why are we erasing Sydney's mom's heritage and Sydney's mom's culture? Like why, like I get you're heartbroken, you lost your wife, but I also do think that you have as a parent, a responsibility to like have your child of color be like, to know their heritage and to know their culture. And this also made me think Mm -hmm. about, you know, my movie, you know, I have to bring it to all the boys. Like, that's what I was thinking. Yes, (laughs) like we are proud of dad and to all the boys because like he purposely goes out of his way to like make his daughters feel like they are part of their Korean culture because Mm -hmm. like it's important to him and also like brings him closer to his wife. And I'm just like, why is the dad in this movie, whose name is Ben, why is Ben not doing this? Like it's such a disservice and it's not okay. (laughs) And like all the other little things, right? 13 years of not knowing your mom's best friend. 13 years, presumably she and Gia were growing up as like essentially cousins before her, uh, like before like they moved away from Hawaii. 13 years away from Miss Leilani, who was her great aunt, which is as close to a grandma as she was getting in Hawaii. All of these things that aren't really acknowledged that the father just failed at. Mm-hmm. And it's like so deeply upsetting. And it's like, yeah, um, if I should have a child and leave this earth, they better fucking know about my culture, you know? Like, you truly, like, I truly was just like, oh, damn, Nani Loa picked wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then Malia does something really wonderful, which is like she takes her to a sacred spot where once a year the whales bring their young. It was her mom's favorite memory. Sydney's like really, really touched by that. She's like, will you bring me here if they come while I'm here? And like Malia's like, yeah, it's a pretty, you know, it's a serious thing for them to trust us with this. Are you sure you'll be ready? And it's, it's just really sweet. And it's just like so clear that they have this this connection that like is something that Sydney needs, right? This connection to her heritage, this connection to her mother, and she's been kept away from it so thoroughly, which we learn in the next scene when Malia takes her home, where Elizabeth is spiraling because they haven't seen her all day. Dad is out looking for her. Dad comes back and- um, They see the scratch on the forehead. They want to know how it happened. And Sydney considers not telling them very clearly. She's like, oh, it's nothing. And then she decides to say it. um, And she says, you know, I wanted to be a part of it instead of on the outside for once. And I liked it. And the dad's like, sorry, what does that mean? I don't understand what you're saying. (laughs) He's really like, she's not talking sense. This head injury must be terrible. (laughs) And she's like, I surfed and I liked it. And you just see Malia go like, oh, fuck, I'm about... Like, Malia knows she is going to take the fall for what just happened, even though she was not there when she served. There, There is this shot of Gia's mom, Malia, just like, when she hears the dad coming, just going like, oh, shit. <laughs> she looks so stressed. <laughs> but yeah, and sure enough, um, she immediately gets sent to her room, and the dad, like, turns on Malia and is like, 
why am I not surprised that you you got her into all this shit? <laughs> and Malia's like, tells Ben, you know, you've been keeping her away, that she has the right to know who she is and where she comes from. Um, Malia says that Sydney's a natural. And I mean, very, and, and also saying like, dude, you need to let things heal. Like you need, you, you've got to heal. <laughs> This is also where we learn that Malia was the one with the binoculars. It's not acknowledged, but she said, you should have seen her out there today with Gia. And it's like, wait, when did Malia see her out there with Gia? When she was watching with the binoculars. (laughs) And so they have this little spout, this little spat. Um, Malia leaves and Elizabeth comes back. Our girl Elizabeth coming through. Elizabeth's like, you know, she's not entirely wrong. (laughs) Like, Elizabeth's like, I don't know what you want me to do here. How am I supposed to fight a ghost? Like, I I gasped. The uh, level of, like, like, we always get a little bit of parent stuff in these movies. But this movie spends two back-to-back scenes entirely with, like, the adult intense interpersonal drama. Because, like, yeah, Malia's talking about Sydney. She's like, you know, she ought to be grabbing life with both hands. But you've got her so scared. The ocean is a great healer and the dad's like, and a great destroyer. And like, like you said, you got to let things heal. You got to like take this lid off of all your hurt. And I was like, yes, go off Malia. Don't let this repressed ass man pass on his trauma because that's why our girl is so scared. And so like, like think about it. This girl's being raised by a badass surfer. She's not growing up this like, nervous I mean probably maybe but like hmm um and yes and then Elizabeth who had previously been uh like truly dragging Sydney into her room so she would stop listening to the Malia drama uh comes out and is like she's not entirely wrong like you said but the dad says I didn't even know you were there and Elizabeth says that's part of the problem Also, Sydney is watching all of this. She immediately opened her window and was like, I'm still here. (laughs) Um, And the dad's just like, well, things will get better when we go back home. Everything's going to be normal again. Elizabeth's like, so we'll keep pretending it never happened. Because, like, he's not dealing with the death of his wife. She's just, like, like Avery said, she says this incredible line with, like, if you'd fallen in love with some other woman, someone flesh and blood, I'd know what to do. An incredible line, because like Elizabeth says, I would fight like crazy to hang on to us and what we have together. Oh, oh, but this, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to fight a ghost? And that is when Sydney truly closes the window and is like, oh, this isn't my business just too much. <laughs> It's so funny. I was like, yeah, Sydney, I wasn't ready for it either. I think that's one of the wildest things I've ever seen in a decom is like the stepmom showing up being like, I, if you were cheating, I would fight for this. I mean, it's already few and far between that we have step parents like in decoms, mm-hmm. but to have a step parent that is so like involved. I don't know. It's a it's a lot. I love it. 
I do really like her. Yeah, I really like Elizabeth as a character. But yeah, I really was like, this is such juicy adult drama in the middle of my tween film. <laughs> but we're gonna. I think I. I think I have a reason why. But we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> the next day, Sydney's out with Gia, looking onto the looking into looking at the ocean, and we find out Sydney doesn't actually know how her mom died what the fuck (laughs) yes it takes Gia talking to Sydney and Gia brings up like oh like you know your mom's accident and and Sydney's like what what accident and Gia's like oh well maybe I might have gotten it wrong (laughs) but that's what I've heard like how does someone who lives on an island know more about your family and more about your life than you do that's so messed up (laughs) It's so messed up. And like, like Gia's like, I just know that something happened out there. And Sydney's like, in the ocean? She didn't know that her mom died in the ocean. I mean, I think we had all picked up on it by now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a sense. Well, Sydney's like, stupid, huh? Not knowing, not making him tell me. And Gia's like, well, it's not too late. Gia, uh, Sydney's clearly like going through it. She's like mad at her dad um she find and then she's but she's like doing her own research and finds i think some sort of a yearbook or magazine where her mom has this whole page where she's miss sports girl miss sports queen 1983 action girl nani loa and it's all these cool pictures of her mom swimming running track every sport <laughs> and there's also a picture of her in front of her house so she goes the beach our girl goes to the beach but other girls are doing their hair braiding i loved this scene this was such a tween middle school scene and i was like i love this um the girls are sitting on the beach gia and her friends braiding each other's hair (laughs) and they're in a little train yes and they're over here (laughs) saying oh I, i hope i'm saying this right i had to i had to quote Oh, goddess Hykia, ancient mistress of the ocean, pioneer surfer chick, our forebearer, our guide, we call your name in fervent hope that tomorrow will bring us a day of monstrous surf. And I was just like, this is so cute. I love it. It's so cute. It's so funny. Like, like, Sydney runs out being like, Gia, Gia. And they're like, sorry, sorry. It's desperation time. There's nothing but trash on the waves. Let her concentrate. (laughs) On this, like, prayer to the goddess of the ocean for better surfing. Oh, man. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so sweet. And um, then some boys come with water guns and they, they uh, all the kids start playing around. And Sydney sees that Kona's back and he's, uh, he's skateboarding again. So she goes to him and she says, hey. I never got a chance to say thank you for saving my life. Ah! <laughs> my gosh! Our girl is flirting her little heart out on day three of knowing this boy. <laughs> oh, but things things escalate a little bit more, Jahan, because she thanks him for saving her life. And then Koda presents her with a drawing of her on a surfboard with her camera. Listen, Koda and I had the same moves. <laughs> We're just some cartoonists trying to make things happen. 
Listen. I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's a movie. And I truly at this point was like, listen, I get it. I know you've known him a collective three hours, but I'm swooning, so I understand why you are. <laughs> this is a child with game. <laughs> we loved it. Um, Sydney asked Kona for a favor. He shows her the picture of her mom and asks her, like, or asks him, does he know where this place is? And she's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's abandoned. It's kind of creepy. You know, people say it's haunted, but Sydney doesn't care. Um, she's like, I'm game. Like, I can do it. And so in the next scene, um, Gia, Sydney, and Kona, they go on horses to go find this place. And at first I thought it was just going to be Kona and Sydney going together. But then I saw Gia and I was like, okay, we have to do this as a trio. But this would have been a really cute date by horseback. Okay. <laughs> I was surprised she went to, I actually, like, bef- I thought it was going to be just Kona too. And I was like, why did she not ask Gia? <laughs> I was like, okay. So Sydney's got some moves of her own. And then Gia came along and I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't know what the situation was, actually. <laughs> they find the place. They're goofing around. Gia takes Kona's hat, passes it to mm-hmm. Sydney. Sydney goes running inside of the house. And then they... Oh, did I miss something? No, I was just going to say, I think running around an abandoned house, uh, even while playing a flirty game of keep away, is maybe not the smartest thing, but sometimes Sydney's judgment isn't what it could be. Why are we the same people? Because I literally was like, oh my gosh, is a floorboard going to break and she's going to like get an injury? I really thought that was going to happen. <laughs> I did too. And maybe it means we've watched too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> Have we become the moms? Are we the aunts now? <laughs> the concerned aunts of our main characters? Um, But she goes inside of a room and... Sydney just gets this massive, like, vibe and energy. And Sydney swears that she's been here before. And we can't help but feel that, like, this is Sydney's mom's room. That this is the room mm-hmm. that she grew up, grew up in. And she just, like, feels that immediate connection and that spirit and that energy. And what's really cool is, remember, at the start of the movie, she said she only has, like, what she thinks are memories based off pictures. But she's like... I think she showed me this room once. I can almost remember when she brought me. But she, like, she was, like, a two-year-old, so she can't be sure. But, like, she remembers the smell of the place and, like, some moment with her mother. So it's, like, literally being in this home, being on this island, has done what she, like, had hoped and, like, brought her closer to a piece of her mother she thought she had lost. So that's really wonderful. The next day, we're back at the realtors, the slimy realtors. Um, the Horton said that they have complied with, like, all of their terms. Like, they'll keep the house. They'll preserve the lagoon. Like, they're just trying to do anything to get them to sell. And basically, they have given them 72 hours to make a decision. We've got three days, people. Like, the stress of it all. Yeah, and Bo is clearly not happy about this. He's like, well, they they wouldn't want to give you too much time to think about it. Oh, Uh, yeah. Bo is stewing from the side. <laughs> that evening, we've got, you know, Sydney using her uh, to a year 2000 iBook in her uh, frogs and crowns pajamas. I knew you were going to say something about the pajamas. <laughs> they were very cute. I would love some. <laughs> and she hears something outside the window. 
Now tell me why she goes and asks who's out there instead of freaking the fuck out like I would. <laughs> she's like, uh, she hears something and she's like, yes, hello. And it's Gia and Kona. And it's time. Tonight's the night. The whales are bringing their young. Yay! Um, oh my god. I thought she was going to go in her pajamas at first, but it's so cute. These kids all get dressed up in their best dresses and stuff for like a real middle of the night luau and ceremony. It's just um, so cute. Gia's like teaching her how to hula a bit. I, I really, I thought it was really sweet to see them bringing her into her culture like this because we, like, this is the most we've seen her, like, in touch with her culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, she's off with Kona and they keep smiling at each other while watching a couple dance but not dancing themselves. And then Kona takes her to where an old lady is telling a story uh, in Hawaiian and um, Kona translates it for her. It's a story about a girl who loved a boy, but was told by the, his father, who I think was a chief or a king, um, that only if she surfed the great tsunami could she marry his son. The boy worried because no one had ever survived the great tsunami, but the girl knew she had to try. And the Minehunis, the little folk, uh, brought her the bran- a branch of a tree with magic. And like Sydney's deep into this story deep into the story. She's like, what happened? Did she survive? Avery, Avery, what happened? Girl, they ended up getting married. <laughs> no, you skipped something. Which is oh, no. goes, what happened? Oh, wait, okay, sorry. Did they I survive? <laughs> oh, sorry. And Kona kisses her instead of answering. <laughs> I was waiting to get to that part. <laughs> you did a much better retelling of the story because literally I was like, an old woman is telling a story about people falling in love. <laughs> and then they get <laughs> And I just, they kiss, it's so cute. And then he's like, the colors of the rainbow danced on their wedding day. And I was like, Kona has the most game of any like 13 year old boy in the world. One. Two, this felt like a big surprise for a year 2000 decom with such a young star. Like, she's 13, she looks like 10. She looks so little, but the kiss is there. That felt like almost like kissing and like, uh, like that felt more like a Mary Kate and Ashley moment to me than like a decom moment. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, you're right. You're right. I see it. <laughs> They kiss. It's beautiful. I clearly was not paying attention to the story. I'm so sorry. My mind was elsewhere. <laughs> How could it not be? <laughs> and then um, we get a we get an announcement that the whales are here. Um, so everyone goes running to the shore to go see some um, some whales. You know, jump in the ocean. Some nice CGI whales because I guess the real whales were not available to be filmed at that time. <laughs> Um, Sydney is caught up in the moment and she's like, you know, you know, mother was right. Like it is magical. She takes this time to ask Malia about her mom's accident and she taught and Malia, you know, finally is the one to tell her, which I still think is shitty that her dad didn't say it, didn't tell her. I (laughs) was really surprised that she heard it from, like, I was like, I thought maybe the movie would be like. You have to ask your dad. You have to have this conversation with your dad. But no, she hears it from Malia. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. Malia talks about how, like, one day 
they were out surfing and the and the waves were perfect and then there was a huge swell and her mom got caught up in the current and i i gathered from the retelling that sydney's dad was not there when it happened but like malia says that he didn't even want to hear about the accident that he blamed the island for losing her and so now that's why he's so cut off and and wants nothing to do with this place yeah and that's really tragic because like malia's like you know uh, malia was there and clearly it was very traumatic to see her lifelong friend like get hurt but she's retelling this story because she feels sydney should uh, i mean her lifelong friend die but like she's retelling the story because she feels like sydney should know that her mom was like fighting in those waves to get back to her which is something like her father has she doesn't even know her mom drowned. So she doesn't even, her father has never told her these details. Um, I really, very little respect for this man. <laughs> um, and, but then we see something that we haven't yet, which is that Sydney is still angry at her mom. She said, she's supposed to be here while I'm growing up. I hate her for not thinking about that. And Malia's like, you have to forgive her, both you and your dad. Like, for your own sakes, right? You can't be stuck in this. It's early the next morning, and Malia brings Sydney back. Sydney, this 13-year-old baby, has the nerve to walk in the house and was like, her dad goes, or her dad is there, and she's like, I left you a note. (laughs) And I was like, ma'am, I am 29 years old. If I left a note for Felicia to say like, oh, I'm going out and I'm not going to be back by, Felicia would have my ass. (laughs) The only reason I'd make an exception is because it's a like once in a lifetime whale ceremony. I don't know. I feel like that should be. Are you sure if Felicia knew what it was, she wouldn't be like. Uh, Listen, no, I don't think so. I just like I'm like oh my gosh the brazenness of this 13 year old I could never um and her dad is like yeah I read it or like I saw it and then she just proceeds to go walk back to her room well no she she proceeds to walk back to her room after saying you should have told me about it it shouldn't have been some deep dark secret yes yes and then she tears up the picture of her mom yes. on the surfboard and I truly was like no <laughs> Your memory. <laughs> I know. Oh, and my, me and all cats, I'm like, the disrespect. And then she's crying, and the dad is clearly, clearly struggling. And Elizabeth's there, because our girl Elizabeth carries this family. <laughs> and the dad's like, I kept thinking that I should have been there when it happened, that I should have saved her, or stopped it, or something. And Elizabeth's like, it was an accident. Like, this man has felt for... 11 years or whatever that he could have stopped a freak accident he was but then we hear some more he's like when i lost her i didn't think i'd ever love anyone again and then i found you and it's really sweet and i do love elizabeth but i also am like why are we getting so deep into the dad's second marriage in this movie i truly was like no disrespect, but me and all the kids watching are Team Nani Loa's ghost. <laughs> you did not! <laughs> I just, 
I like Elizabeth, but it's also like the character we are made to like adore is very clearly Nani Loa. So it's just very strange that we're like, it's just such an odd dynamic to really keep. Like, I again, I understand the importance of Elizabeth, the character, but to go so deep into their marriage is very odd to me. Yikes. Shahan said Team Ghost. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the dad's very clearly like, he's, this one, this man has so much trauma and like, just, I feel like, um, Jamie Lee Curtis when she's talking about the Halloween movies, they're about trauma. Um, but, <laughs> but this man has so much locked up inside, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, one, he needs a therapist and two, he needs to talk to people about it, but three, that can't, that can't only be your spouse. This is, this is toxic masculinity. This is not having, <laughs> like, you're just leaving it all to, like, Elizabeth to fix. Mm. And he's like, it didn't seem fair that I should be so happy and she's, and Elizabeth's like, she would want you to be happy. This woman carrying this family on her back despite my disrespect (laughs) (gasps) and and so i'm so sorry (laughs) so the next day ben asked sydney does she want to go for a walk sydney says that you know when people ask about her mom she has to lie and fill in the blanks when people talk about her. And so her dad is like, oh, what do you want to know? And she says everything. It finally, like, this is the first time we see the dad talk about her. And he just, he's clearly like, it's, I think it's cathartic for him as well as Sydney. He just opens up and talks about how she took his breath away. Radiant, just like Sydney, a lot like Sydney, the natural grace, the way she laughed. And oh, this man is again, still in love with Nani Loa's ghost. (laughs) And so her dad thought that he was protecting Sydney by lo- by not letting her be here. Um, but he admits that um, Malia was right, that he's just been running away this entire time. That's one thing. One, he had to hear it from Malia. And two, he has been talking with Elizabeth and they've decided that Makai is her heritage, is Sydney's heritage, and that she has to decide what to do with it. And what she wants it's, it's what they'll do because the decision belongs to her. This is where I was like, this is truly a child you're putting this deci- giant decision on. I agree that it's her heritage and it shouldn't be left up to the parents. I don't know that it should be decided when she's 13, like right now. Can I also say this man said, I'm not going to lie and tell you we don't need the money and I'll be teaching for the rest of my life and never see this kind of money that they're offering again, sir. <laughs> I was furious. Like, that's the thing. And the thing is, he doesn't even come to the conclusion that that's not what's important. Again, I'm calling out when women tell him the smart things he says, because it really seems that he is a dumbass. Like, he's like, he he says that thing about money. He's like, I'll never see that kind of money. He's like, but Liz says that isn't always what's important. Maybe she's right. Whatever you decide, we'll do it. We'll make it work. And I was, that's when I was like, why is Elizabeth holding the whole brain in this marriage? Like, I just, and it's just, it, why would you say, mention the money to this 
kid who's freaking out about this massive life-changing decision. You just said it was her heritage, mm-hmm. and then you said, but also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sydney, for the first time, says, do you think we could stay here? And the dad's like, live here? There's lots of lost memories, lots of ghosts. And Sydney says, maybe that's good. I agree. It seems good for Sydney. So Sydney tapes the picture back together and then takes a picture of it with her camera, which turns into a perfect scan on her computer, which I thought was very funny. She like takes this picture at a low angle and suddenly it's a perfect scan. But she clicks a button that says repair. And I think that button's supposed to mean multiple things. Sydney's clicking repair on more than one thing in her life, girls. <laughs> anyway, I guess it fixes the picture. So Sydney um, photoshops the picture of her mother in with a picture of her. And she it's so it's sweet. It's very sad ultimately, but like Sydney looks so happy about it. It looks like two passport photos hanging out, but I'm happy that Sydney's happy. <laughs> Help, okay. <laughs> Okay, it's time to go hang out with our new friends again. So Sydney goes and sees the friends, not the not Gia, but the non-Gia friends. That's literally how I describe mm-hmm. them in my notes. Um, she goes and sees the non-Gia friends, and they are giving Sydney the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. They're like, ugh, something stinks. It smells like bad fish. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what a turn. And- it turns out on the f- the front story on the paper is that there is a luxury resort coming to Mackay. Mm-hmm. And like S- Sydney's like, we haven't even decided anything, but the kids aren't hearing it. And so Sydney's like, I got to talk to Gia and Malia. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not home. She does, however, find Kona working on a board. Mm. And he's being very sneaky about it. Like, he's trying to cover it up. He's like, oh, how long have you been here for? And she's like, not long. What's going on? Um, But Kona is, like, putting his drawing of her on the board. And he's like, oh, well, if you don't like it, I can just, you know, like, take it off. But she's like, no. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, I'm just surprised. I will say, he, and he does say, maybe I should have asked first. And I agree. You should have asked first. This is, again, one of her only keepsakes from her mother. <laughs> it, if she wanted to keep it the Nani Loa board, that's her right. <laughs> um, but it's very sweet regardless. And he's like, um, and she's like, surprised. she's like, so you're still talking to me? He's like, yeah, we're talking right now. What do you mean? What's going on? <laughs> and she's like, well, everyone else hates me, thinks I'm a traitor, scum of the earth. And he's like, yeah. He knows what it's about. So he actually has seen the paper and still hasn't, like, turned his back on her. Um, And he's like, yeah, Kai thinks you're going to grab the bucks and run. But you should have heard Gia lay into him. And, like, Sydney's so happy to hear. She's like, she stood up for me? And Kona's like, oh, yeah, big time. So Sydney tries to ask, or tries to ask Kona, like, where is Gia? Um, And, you know... Kona kind of spills the beans about Gia's, like, secret place. And so he, uh, Sydney finds Gia. Gia tells her that, like, she comes here to think. Like, that time that Gia's dad didn't show up for her birthday. <laughs> and I was like, whoo, that's a story for another time. But I do <laughs> not like this dad either. 
And she was like, and this poor girl is like, I guess you forgot. It was my own fault. I should have known. <laughs> this child. Is she, the thing is, Gia is so sweet and so trusting and just being let down. And she now feels like she's being let down by her new friend, Sydney. But she goes out here because she surfs out here. And when you're out there, all the bad stuff falls away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just like clear that there is an undercurrent of this conversation that Gia is, even though she defended her, upset with her about selling Mackay. And Sydney's like, but did you read the whole thing? Even the part about the whales, we, the lagoon's going to be a preserve. We may, And like, we're not trying to change what's there. And like, Gia's like, it's a resort, Sydney everything's going to change. What whales are going to come and like be okay with tourists crowding the beaches? And then Sydney asks something that for me blew the whole movie wide open. Right? Right? I did not see this coming. Same. Same. <laughs> and it, it was questioning that came out of left field for me. I was like, what does this have to do with anything? Go ahead. Go ahead. How did Sydney know to ask this? But Sydney goes, when we met, did you and Malia plan that because of Mackay and the inheritance? And I was like, God, why is Sydney asking that? And Gia's like, um, where'd you get that idea? And she says, the truth, Gia. And it, she's like, we thought that if you got to know everybody, if I ran into you and got things started, it would change things, change how you felt about this place. Now tell me one. Gia tried to keep the lie going for a second there. Two, everything I knew about this movie was wrong. Right? <laughs> this, like, this literally set the tone, or changed the, the tone of the entire movie. All the things we thought were creepy actually were kind of creepy and manipulative. Yeah. The run-in that we didn't think was that much of a run-in, it wasn't actually a run-in. Also... Was the cat a paid actor? Because the cat... No, because the cat clearly belonged to Malia. And now we know that that cat led her to the surfboard. <laughs> I just... That one's silly. But it's like every moment was kind of Truman showed. <laughs> and Gia tries to explain that she thought that like if Sydney met everyone and got to know the people, that it would convince her. And in my notes, I literally have what a jump exclamation point. <laughs> but Gia says that once she got to know Sydney better, like things changed. And Sydney is like pissed. Sydney is not happy. Sydney's like, <laughs> I've been lied to. Like, you must want to go to Hollywood since you're. <laughs> it's an incredible lie. <laughs> Ever consider going to Hollywood, making use of that talent? And, and Gia, Gia's like, this isn't an act of like, okay, I wouldn't trust Gia either. <laughs> and Gia's like, oh, like, don't be all innocent in this. Like, you lied too, saying that you were some big surfer chick. Sydney's like, I didn't lie. You assumed. And then I... Oh, wait, go ahead. No, the thing is, like, I agree with Sydney. Like, pretending you can surf is very different from constructing a whole world so that this girl feels like she loves Hawaii. <laughs> and then Gia calls her a lovesick puppy dog and infers that Kona has been in on it too. Right, because Sydney's like, they all knew, didn't they? You let me make myself make a fool of myself in front of everyone. She's like, I didn't let you do anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't need any help playing the fool. Um, and like, Sydney is heartbroken. She's like, Kona was in on it too. I hate you. I hate all of you. I hate this island. I'm gonna sell it. <laughs> and I was like, Your plan, the plan has backfired, girl. She said she's gonna sell this place and forget that they all ever existed. Holy hell. I was shaken <laughs> to my core. The way I did not expect this twist, because there's no reason Sydney would have known. She asks that question, where did that come from? I have no idea. I have no idea. Gia clearly immediately regrets, like, she's like, fine, go back. Who needs you? And then she, like, immediately calls after Sydney, but it's it's too late. The damage has been done. Yeah, I think, understandably, for what it's worth, like, listen, I want Sydney to love this island. I want her to love her heritage. I don't think you needed to do all that. <laughs> so the next day, we're back at the realtors, and it seems like Sydney's made a decision. Malia, for what it's worth, I think she's got her Hail Mary, which is packing the kids up into the van right outside the window of the realtor's office. <laughs> I think it's so funny that the whole time Sydney is trying to, like, finalize her decision, all of her friends are going in and out of a van directly outside the window. Um, but, like, they are really and truly leaving this decision up to a child. The realtor's holding out the pen. There's They've got sparkling cider. And... We don't see what she does, but we see her running to Malia. Malia's like, I don't want to hear it. Spare me the gruesome details. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't want you to hear it from anyone else. But Malia clearly is just not, not having it. She's like, no, it's okay. You did what you had to do. We should have, like, uh, what we tried to do. There was no reason for us to expect that Makai would be a part of you. We thought maybe if you came home and you saw it again, that it would touch you and you'd have enough of your, you'd have, this is a little cruel and incredibly manipulative where she's like, you'd have enough of your mother to feel some of the things she felt about this place. Which if the girl had, has just sold this island, you're being like, I guess you're not like your mother after all. Dang. I... I love Malia as this cool surfer mom, badass character. I don't feel great about what she's done to this child. Um, and she's like, it was a shot. At least you've seen it. And now you know, so you'll have that to keep. But So this is truly her, like, you've so, I know she's decided that Sydney made the decision to sell. And she gives her a little bracelet with a locket with a picture of Sydney and her mom in it. And that's really sweet. Yeah. I think Malia really manipulated this child left and right for what it's worth. I think giving her the locket after she thinks that she sold the place is pretty shitty. And just even though Sydney has talked about this entire movie wanting a piece of her mom, and that would have been something to share an hour ahead of time. But that's just me. <laughs> I fully agree. I think... What she does in this scene is some emotional warfare. She basically has decided this child has sold a piece of her best friend and she should know it. <laughs> like, she's truly like, oh yeah, we really like, we thought we'd try something and, but why would Makai still be a part of you? You've never lived here. Like, oh my God. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we don't see what happens after the necklace because it's so funny. We keep seeing half of these scenes and then they're like, but we don't want to give away what's happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well. Yeah. Um, and she goes and she finds Kona. Yes. Finds Kona on the skate hill looking for Gia, my, I add. Um, Sydney asks where Gia is and Sydney just has this feeling that Gia went surfing on her own. So Kona and Sydney both go searching for Gia. Like they're looking around, looking for Gia. Sydney sees some of Gia's things on the beach. And then she sees her surfboard floating in the ocean alone. And Sydney's like, oh no. This girl went surfing on her own, which Kona says even at the beginning, like, oh, she wouldn't do that. Like, she wouldn't go surfing on her own, but she does. I can't believe it's happened again. I also realize at this moment when Sydney is looking out and realizes she has to get on that board to go, like, rescue her friend. Sydney has not surfed as much of this movie as I thought she would. She has, not, at this point, not been in the water since that first time she stood up on the board. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, the most we've ever seen her do is stand on the board and then proceed, like, five minutes later to get tumbled in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, she, and she, it's been, like, a solid 45 minutes of the movie since she last touched the water. <laughs> Help. Um, but, like, part of that is, like, she was scared of the ocean and she does have all that fear up locked up inside her, but it's time for her to get back to the ocean and she doesn't hesitate. She grabs the board and runs it out because she needs to find Gia. There's so many rocks. The waves are crazy. And then we see just one little arm sticking up out of the water. Sydney <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> gets to Gia. She manages to get to Gia. Gia's shirt is torn and her elbows are like all scratched up. Mm-hmm. And Gia says that she went over the falls and hit a reef and that her arm hurts really bad. Kona spots him in the water and he like proceeds to run in the water. And I'm like, I know that your mom and doctor are sick of you getting this cast wet. Like, <laughs> I just know that they are so upset with you. <laughs> and like this time, this time though, he doesn't have to dive in the water because Sydney's already gotten her to like the spot like the basically to the shore they're just he's just splashing over to them yeah and Gia straight up is like you're too late brah I've already been rescued (laughs) which I thought was a perfect lie (laughs) and so at this time Sydney makes the announcement and tells Kona and Gia that they're not selling Makai but how does she announce it she shows them the contract and she's like look I didn't sign. How are they supposed to know what an, uh, what the contract looks like? <laughs> she doesn't just tell them. She's like, here's the unsigned. I thought it was so funny. Um, she tells them that they are going to live there. So mm-hmm. not only does she not sign, but like, they're going to move to Hawaii. Wait, and like she and Gia apologize to each other. And she's like, what I said before about hating you, hating this whole place. I didn't mean that. And Gia's like, me too. And what about Kona? What I let you think? It wasn't true. He really likes you, girl. <laughs> I love Gia. <laughs> and, but like, and she tells them that they're not selling Makai. And Kona and Gia are just over the moon, jumping up and down. And um, 
we go to Elizabeth and dad who are with Malia on the front steps of the house. And she's like, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> These people don't have jobs anymore. Ben tells Malia that he's either A, gonna get a teaching job, B, write a novel, or C, maybe open a school on the plantation. And um, so Malia's like, you're not sorry about turning down the money? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and like, it's so funny because Malia was not chill with these people to see like a half a movie earlier. And she's like, she hugs them and she's like, I'm so glad you guys are here. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you only like them now that they're not selling the place. I truly, but I also like respect it. She's a little bit like of a an emotional eco terrorist. <laughs> like her actions towards a thirteen year old, not commendable. She's wreaking havoc upon this child for what it's worth. I also think like it's one thing to not sell the place. You're jumping to a whole nother thing to move your whole family from Chicago to Hawaii. Oh, I know. They call that the reverse Obama. <laughs> <laughs> The opposite direction. <laughs> Although, isn't he retiring to Hawaii, back home to Hawaii now? I mean, I don't know, but his museum is going to be in, his presidential museum is going to be in Chicago. Well, that makes more sense, I think, than putting that, putting that on more land in Hawaii. I feel like people are already, like, annoyed that he's building a mansion in Hawaii or something. Nope. <laughs> but yes, um, so they are uprooting their family from Chicago to Hawaii, which again, I think is the right decision for this child, for this child's access to her culture, for all the reasons we hated the father. I think it's the right call and probably the only way he could make up to this girl what he's done in raising her, sure. But they don't acknowledge, they don't really go into like all the details that that involves. Like, doesn't Elizabeth work for a fabric company? <laughs> she, she works in Hawaii now. <laughs> Um, does Elizabeth have a family to think about? <laughs> Don't matter. She lives in Hawaii. <laughs> but she is a star and she recognizes what's best for Sydney too. So I guess I respect it. And then we get one last moment of Sydney on a surfboard in the ocean. Taking pictures of her friends. She's an island mm-hmm. kid now. And she kind of looks, you know, off into the distance where, um, when they were watching the whales earlier, um, Malia said, you know, we believe that our ancestors are out there and, you know, the whales are the link between our worlds. It's all aloha. And now Sydney looking is like, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm saying hello or goodbye, but I know she's out there watching over me and I'll have that always. So either way, it's all the same. It's all aloha. <gasps> Very sweet. <laughs> but yeah. Honestly, it like a lot of intense emotional scenes for a tween surfing movie. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Again, I think this is maybe only the second time I've seen this movie. It had been a while since I'd seen it the first time. So it almost felt like seeing it for the first time again. Same. I barely remembered it. I saw it, I, and I, I only saw it once, and I think I saw it like or when they hit the 100th decom in like 2015 mm-hmm. or whenever, mm-hmm. and they did the marathon. Mm-hmm. So I had seen it like, six seven years ago 2015 was seven years ago sorry i'm just gonna sit with that for a moment while <laughs> yeah i don't really i didn't really remember it at all 
Should we uh, take it over to Adam's corner? Yes, Adam, tell us, what did you think of the Rip Girls movie? So I had the honor and privilege of watching this with my 10-year-old cousin, Madison. And I think a lot of the material may have went over her heads in terms of like surfing is actually an impressive sport and not just like a thing you see in a movie. So um, I have some notes here that I took while observing her observing the movie. (laughs) She really liked the earth friendly message. I asked her like several questions after the movie of like, what did you think about this? What did you think about that? What were your opinions on this and that person? She liked how she didn't sell the island at the end of the movie and how she went back to her friends and all that, which I kind of expected, but I almost expected her to say, oh, why didn't she take the money and help her parents out and all that? But um, I was a little bit surprised by that. And then the surfing sequences where they're actually doing the close-up shots in the pipeline, on the waves, all that. I heard her kind of like, you know, ooing and eyeing sometimes. Like even myself, I was like, ooh, that's a pretty good shot. But I had never seen this movie before, so this is all new to me. Uh, and of course for Madison as well. So she was, she seemed to be super impressed by it. And I was as well. I mean, it went from like, okay, they're clearly filming this on the shoreline to, well, they must have someone in the water to actually, you know, get up in there. So I asked her what she thought of the, the boy plot line, because when I was looking up on Letterboxd, a lot of these movies were similar to Cadet Kelly and that, oh yeah, this was my you know, first gay movie, you know, Disney's coming up with a gay plot line. Huh. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I kind of saw that in the first hour or so in the first half. I missed it. <laughs> and of course it kind of fell off. But... I was so focused on Kona's dreaminess. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the reviews here says, what I sleep on, colon, a sort of mattress. What y'all sleep on, colon, Rip Girls, one of the best Disney Channel movies of all time. It took Disney 33 minutes to realize they made one of the gayest films ever and had to shoehorn a boy love interest before we'd noticed it didn't work. This was pretty chill. Gia ahead of her time with her pride flag emoji. A quote of someone saying, this has to be gay, right? One of my friends at the three minute mark. So <laughs> I don't know what you make of that. Seems on Letterboxd, apparently it seems to be equally anti-capitalist and gay. So Make that what you will. Uh, so I asked Madison what she thought of this boy plot line. And I was like, what do you think of this? Is that boy even cute? And to the question, is that boy even cute? She went, no. So funny. So <laughs> I don't know. But apparently she was more focused, mm-hmm. according to me at least, she was more focused on the actual eco-friendly message than she was the actual romantic plot line. That's feels very on track for everything I've learned about like kids today like just working in kids tv and stuff they get like like in our research sessions and stuff they get hyper focused on like yeah if they see littering and stuff in one of our episodes they're like sorry did that paper get recycled <laughs> and like it's really wonderful that the next generation cares so much about the earth um, <laughs> and uh we should do more than just make decoms about it I guess <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I was prepared to ask her like, oh, is this boy cute? What should he have done there? Did he say the right thing there? You know, but she was, no, he's not cute. Uh, What happened with the resort? Did she sell it or not? No? Okay, then that's good. (laughs) 
that's pretty much like all she i mean i don't say all she was focused on but that's like her answers that she gave so i guess so yeah i am proud of this next generation and how socially conscious and aware they are but i'm also very reflective of like am i the problem like am yeah I- yeah <laughs> I was like, am I the problem for asking all these questions around the boy and not like all around the resort and all the ecosystem that they could have destroyed by building the resort? So no, I get it. (laughs) You're not the problem for thinking Kona is dreamy. We can all only do so much. We're only human. He had highlights. (laughs) It was the year 2000. What were we supposed to do? He had highlights. I know. It was Hawaii. He's surfing. I just feel guilty for being distracted by the boy with the highlighted hair and not focused on like the ecosystem and preserving like heritage land like i guess i guess all i can say is that we're a product of our time yes (laughs) okay but we also did spend about half of the episode talking about how the dad needed to support her in her cultural that's true true. we're not all villainous (laughs) this is true We were anti-colonial, I would say, if not antra, anti, um, we were anti-colonial, anti-patriarchal, if not anti-heteronormative. Okay. The kids will be all right. Listen, we'll be fine. They'll be all right. We'll be okay at best. The last thing I focused on here was the, um, I was very aware of the scenes where in the, they're in the real estate office and the main focus of the scene is like the boring real estate functions that they're doing. And I kind of like saw Madison like looking around the room, like getting bored, like shifting around her seat. Like I was very aware of the fact that these were boring scenes taking place in an office and you never see something like this in a decom nowadays. Like even in schools, like scenes that are shot in schools, I feel like are more dynamic and not just like two or three camera angles Mm -hmm. in a real estate office, even if it's in Hawaii focused on the resort. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's more of a product of the early 2000s decoms. Like there was a lot more of, I don't know if this is kind of crass. There was a lot more of like body shown in this movie, if that makes sense. Like I feel like a lot of the surfing scenes that they shot would have been like you know, shoulder up instead of like waist up or, you know, knees up, if that makes sense. Like there was some shots where I was surprised they included as much, um, I don't know, like revealing like bounce or like, like they had like, like everyone in like those, you know, body suits, but it seemed like the way they shot them could have been more conservative than it was, if that makes sense. That was just something noticed by me, but felt very early 2000s in that way with the way they shot some of these shots and the way that they framed some of these if that makes sense i don't know if you either of you picked up in any of that so could just be me (laughs) i did feel that like i like with the kiss i felt like it was like ahead of the the year 2000 maybe yeah that surprised me i was like oh they actually showed the kiss they had them kiss that's kind of surprising mm-hmm. yeah that's all i got i was just interested in seeing what madison's reaction was to the boy drama versus the eco drama so no i think that's really fun it's very cool to have a 2022 kid telling us what they feel about something that came out 22 years ago yeah when we were seven Avery and I were seven. So honestly, I was too young for this one. I didn't see it. Um, I didn't see it until I was like 
20, 22, 23. Avery, did you watch it as a kid? I did not. I think I watched it when I was much older. I think I saw this movie like much, much later growing up and that I did not see this as a kid. Yeah. Which is interesting because we saw decoms in the 90s. Like we saw Smart House and we saw Xenon and we saw Halloween Town. And I don't know why this one just like passed us. Yeah. Did they not like air it? I don't know. I I find it very strange that we wouldn't have seen it given. Yeah, I was seven. So I was a little young for it, but it still would have like they usually re-aired them so often. And I also thought it was really I thought it was really sweet and wonderful. Um, I did try to have Madison record like a two minute segment I could insert here, but she did have to go to Girl Scout camp. So I have to summarize her thoughts for her. Listen, I understand Madison priorities. I went to Girl Scout camp too, and I understand how critical piece of your childhood. It's all about the packing. It's all about the friends you make and not so much about the decoms you watched four days before you went to camp. I understand. Fine. Listen, my childhood priorities were and are decoms. (laughs) Maybe one day you and Madison will get on my level, Avery. (laughs) We could do both. She did love Karma's World, so there you go. Shout out, Jihan. (laughs) Um, But yes, so I... Okay, let's talk about cast. Um, Honestly, I don't think much of the cast is acting anymore. However, we do have to talk about our girl Camilla Bell, who is in no way Hawaiian, obviously. (laughs) She is, I think, American and Brazilian. Oh, I actually Um, don't know. Oh, yeah. I believe her her mom's family is from Brazil. Yes. And she grew up in LA and she was vaguely mixed race looking or brown looking and they said we'll cast her as hawaiian i will say i don't have not followed much of her career don't know that much about her honestly my three fun facts that i knew about her was i don't know if you've ever seen the second jurassic park the lost world but that opening scene she's like the girl on the beach who's like feeding the little dinosaur like pieces of her sandwich and she gets attacked by the dinosaurs that's honestly where i knew her from um and then i had remembered her i remembered seeing her in a movie called push with like chris evans um dakota fanning which i actually really love that movie I remember you loving that movie for some reason more than yes. i remember that movie okay i love that movie cuz it's like they're mutants like it was very much like felt like an x-men movie but it wasn't an x-men i loved it anyway i forgot she was in that yes i don't have many memories of that film and then the last fact that i had knew was that she had dated joe jonas and that she okay (laughs) it's mine okay And, and, and here's the thing i want you to take this over because I was Googling and I was like, oh, oh, I didn't know this, but I knew that you knew. So please take it away. (laughs) So my only Camilla Bell knowledge is that she stole Joe Jonas from Taylor Swift and Taylor said, it's time to release a song about this. So she is the actress who's better known for the things that she does on the mattress from the song Better Than Revenge by Taylor Swift. And the thing about Better Than Revenge is it's a great song, but it's a song in the same uh, in the same vein. It sounds and feels like Misery Business by Paramore. It is 
written by a young artist who probably leaned into some of their worst, their negative side, their slut shaming side and said some things they shouldn't have. So it's a great song with a bad message that really said some bad things. It was not great about Camilla Bell. <laughs> well, see, I didn't even know all that. I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actress known better for the thing she does on the mattress is such a an unkind <laughs> Now I need to go listen to this song. Help. It is from my favorite Taylor Swift. I love many Taylor Swift albums. Listen, 1989, perfect album, t- top to tail. But Speak Now is the one that came out when we were 17. So it is the one closest to my heart. I love this song. I loved every song on this album. <laughs> Not not Taylor's best side, um, not Joe Jonas's best side, probably. Camilla Bell probably didn't commit any crimes other than being in the Love Bug music video and then falling for Joe Jonas. They didn't even date for like a full year or anything. <laughs> That's what's wild about all these like teenage relationships we remember when we're like, oh my god, and then Miley and Nick and this, and, and they were like taking up so much of my, or at least so much of like, the pop culture brain space at this time. These kids were breaking up like every four months. (laughs) But yes, that is, I think, honestly, what Camilla Bell is pretty well known for in the eye of our generation. I like being in the Joe Jonas Taylor Swift drama, which I, I don't think that's what anybody wants to be their claim to fame. Not when they're in such a delightful movie as Rip Girls shrugging and smiling their way to stardom. She's still acting. I have seen nothing she's been in. (laughs) Yeah, same. She apparently was in a Tubi original romantic comedy in 2022 for, and like anchored Tubi's Valentine's Day programming with a movie called 10 Truths About Love. So I don't even know how Tubi works. I don't know how to access Tubi. But I do love a rom-com, so maybe I'll see what her current career is like sometime soon. Okay. Speaking of people doing streaming rom-coms nobody's hearing about, we just want to let y'all know our girl Brenda Song did a little rom-com that's on, is it on Hulu? I think you told me it's on Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. I do not support Amazon. I do not shop from Amazon, but I do support Brenda Song. (laughs) So take from that what you will. Isn't it called Accidentally in, Accidentally in Love? Some in love. Yes, I think. Love Accidentally or something. Okay. If we're also going to promote other DCOM stars, Corbin Blue was in a Hallmark movie that just got released recently. I saw him tweeting about it. It's a one of those Christmas in July movies. We have to go support. Oh. I just want to throw that out. Oh, I still need to watch his last one with, his, uh, with Monique Coleman from... High School Musical, they mm. did a Christmas dance reunion. I never watched that one. And then uh, I won't promote the Jonas Brothers. I personally have been watching Claim to Fame, the, <laughs> the reality TV show hosted by Kevin and Frankie Jonas about where every member of the cast is somebody who has a famous celebrity and you have to watch, they have to figure out who each other's celebrity relative is without revealing theirs. I have seen previews. I have not watched. <laughs> uh, this is not a spoiler because the second you see her on screen, you say, well, that girl has Simone Biles' face. <laughs> but one of them is very clearly Simone Biles' sister, and that's part of her problem. She, like, looks exactly like her sister. <laughs> oh, oh, no. 
It's so funny. No, I've definitely been seeing promo for this show, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is in my wheelhouse, but... I've been surprised by how certain reality shows can get me, because last year I got really into Dancing with the Stars. Um, I don't know, I wanted to watch it for, like, the Olivia Jade drama. You know, she's Lori Loughlin's daughter, who had the whole USC yeah. thing happen. I'm sorry, we'll get back to the cast in a second. <laughs> And then Jojo Siwa was such a good dancer. I just stuck with it. But I I don't know. Something about this where they're all in a house trying to figure out who, who they're related to is so funny to me. They don't have access to phones. They're just like, there's a clue board. Okay. <laughs> they have to tr- <laughs> okay. Anyway, the rest of this cast, nobody's done any. Wait, wait, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, since since we're doing promo on our Disney stars, I have to. Demi has an album coming out. We have released a single called Substance. Everyone on Twitter is like, they sound just like the sound recording than they do live. And I was like, Jahan and I know this because we We went went to a Demi Lovato concert. (laughs) A Demi Lovato and a Nick Jonas concert in 2016. We bought these tickets a year in advance, and I literally had a countdown going. <laughs> Avery posted on my Facebook wall about this, with this countdown, not daily, but like weekly, or was it? It was something like, I, first of all, I had, I had like made a, I found an app that countdown, that counted down for us. So it was like 236 days until this show. And then every time Demi or Nick did something in the news, I like would post it to Shahad, then post the countdown being like we have 200 (laughs) and we bought these tickets we like had no idea where i'd be living because i hadn't graduated school we had no idea what was happening we were like it was like the one thing we held on to we were like september 2016 we will be seeing demi lovato and nick jonas and you know what we did and when demi lovato when they were lifted from beneath the stage in a bodysuit and a cape I was forever changed, and I feel like I've said that on this podcast before. You have. That show was amazing. (laughs) It truly changed our lives. And I just think that it's, you know, it's comical that Twitter's like, oh my gosh, they're such a good singer live. And I'm like, where were you people? Where have you people been? (laughs) We've been here. Did you not see them sing the national anthem? At the Super Bowl, thank you. I don't do sports, <laughs> but <laughs> like we've known this forever, and I'm happy. The thing is, yeah, they had like even after that concert, which we saw and loved, they had a whole like two years of hit after hit. Oh, Twenty seventeen, yeah. they had that incredible album come out, and then they like even off of that, they had like. Uh, Aside from that album, they had like "Sorry Not Sorry." They had um, we had confident, Spanish language, cool for the summer. Yeah. Oh, and it's just like where are people like where is Demi's Ariana Grande level success, frankly, and like also Twitter's asking that it's like Demi could be the biggest pop star, one of the biggest pop stars in the world right now if they had management that fucking liked them or some shit. Like I don't understand, and I know Demi's had some personal troubles but like none of this has stopped them from releasing incredible pop music somehow i wholeheartedly agree i am so excited that they are returning back to their roots of this like punk rock because that's like 
mm-hmm. truly what they do really well at. And so I'm excited for this era. Mm-hmm. Um, watch our Twitter feeds because I will be talking about this when the album comes out. <laughs> and you know, I love, I am at my heart a pop girly. I love pop punk i love pop and i think this you're right this is demi's wheelhouse but like i yeah so even though i am a pop girly i am ready for this return to the pop punk and maybe maybe the internet love for paramore will kind of spread and sweep over demi because i don't understand they're so famous and so beloved but i don't feel like that's reflected in their success somehow Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't understand it Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to me doesn't add up yeah no, I absolutely agree. Thank you, fans, for our listeners, for going on our tangent with us because this has just been on my mm-hmm. heart. <laughs> A good week now. That's why you wanted to do Camp Rock, too. I'm so sorry for holding you back. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Let's talk about this cast. Uh, yes. I'm really upset that the actress who played Gia proceeded never to act again after this movie. She got a jewel. She's she has a jewelry brand now, and that's she. It's her only role ever. Yes, and I and I'm a little heartbroken because I think that she did so well in this role that I would have loved to mm-hmm. see her in more things, and just hate that that didn't happen. The dad, Dwyer Brown. So he's been on TV for a minute. He was in some ER, some Murder She Wrote episodes. Also did like the CBS Wheelhouse and was on some Criminal Minds without a trace. And was on Rizzolian Isles, which a show that I did watch from beginning to end a couple summers back in 2016. But like everybody else, like the kids in this movie, like not much to say, like not anything of note. And I think that probably has to do with, like you said, filming in Hawaii. I think they found kids that were willing and willing to do, do that trap. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant Australia. Filming like on location in Australia because you probably cast like unknowns who are willing to do that travel or do that role far away um uh yeah um but yeah and the dad was also in field like the dad in field of dreams kevin costner's dad in field of dreams which i think is his most famous role he literally wrote a memoir about that film oh okay (laughs) yeah um i've still never seen field of dreams but i do know the kevin costner's dad is a big role in it. So that's cool for him. I always um, get it confused. That's not the one that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in. Because he's in Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the Outfield. No, I have seen that okay. one. Okay, I have not that seen either. Perfect. And I get them confused all the time. Angels in the Outfield is the one with uh, Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a perfect film. Okay, I do need to see it. I, I do need to see it. I was going to talk about why I think this movie has touch of like adult adult conversations or adult content so the Mm -hmm. director of this movie is joyce chopra uh she is an older woman and when i say older she was like born in 1936 or 19 yeah she was born in 1936 um and she has done a lot of like TV slash TV movie directing. She's done some episodes of Law and Order, but I will commend her on like directing things for the girls. So she directed um, an American Girl doll movie called An American Girl on the Home Front. 
Um, <laughs> she also directed this movie. And so I think it's interesting because then we talk about who was it who was like an older person, an older woman who like wrote. What was that movie that we talked about most recently? Was it Cadet Kelly? Oh, it was Cadet Kelly. Sorry. I didn't realize it mm-hmm. was that recent. But yeah, we talked about how the writer of Deca- uh, Cadet Kelly was like an older woman who was like writing things for the girls. And I feel like this is a woman who was like directing for the teens. So mm-hmm. I, I could see having those like older themes in here. She's also directed like a bunch of documentaries. Um, and one of her like movies is called The Lemon Sisters with Diane Keaton. And I'm like Ooh. very intrigued and need to find this movie. As am I. Um, very impressive. Seems cool. I, I, I kind of want to do more research on her. Yeah. For example, why is her last name Chopra? Because I don't, I'm not seeing a parent or a spouse with that last name. Yeah, I don't know. But I do want to see this Lemon Sister movie because it does have Diane Ke- Keaton and Carol Kane from, you know, Kimmy Schmidt and yeah, all the roles. So I would love to see that. Yeah. And it was also written by a woman, which is exciting yeah i think this was a it, a classic sports decom in many ways with that classic like with a layer of family legacy we didn't have our usual single father in that he had a spouse that made all of these smarter decisions for him uh but we did have that kind of classic repressed father holding on to a loss maybe even worse than our usual single fathers in that instead of like well, he didn't go the route of having her run the family, but he did go the route of not letting her do anything. So it's one or the other with these decom dads. Um, as we said, um, I do think I'm glad there is a general anti-colonial message throughout this film and that they don't want the resort. They want her to get back to her roots, to her culture and have a connection to it. I, I'm glad that message exists. I'm glad she gets that ending i do think the dad committed some crimes against his child and i'm glad we talked about that i enjoyed it i really liked it i think like shahan said it does have elements of a decom but i think in some ways it's a little bit different because like i felt like i don't know true decoms would have been there's a surfing competition or you know there would have been i guess more of a I guess, like, the the Hordens and, like, them wanting to take over the resort is a villain, but I also could have seen this being as, like, maybe, like, another Native teen girl, like, saying that she doesn't belong here and all this other stuff, but we didn't get that. So I did feel like this felt different, but in a good way. Agree. We, we <laughs> talked about themes of, of, you know, doing things for yourselves and not for others, which I think is really important that all middle school girls should hear. Because, you know, it's that formative time in our lives where we're trying new things and, like, we want to be cool. But, you know, we don't have to be cool. Like, we can love the things that we love. And that's good. We talk about that all the time. (laughs) And I'm so glad we do because it's so important. It's so hard. And As I've said many, many times, the things I loved most embarrassingly as a child made me who I am today. And you love things like so powerfully when you're a tween that you shouldn't let like you shouldn't let yourself be held back from that. I think it's a great time to just jump in. Yes. I just want to say, speaking of Joyce Chopra, I just found an interview with her and she does say in it like I've always been interested in teenage girls. And that's 
just like you were saying, right? Like celebrating, like she made a documentary called Girls at 12, where she spent many months following three best friends at 12 years old. And it just like, there needs to be content for tween girls. It's so wonderful when you have people who celebrate content for tween girls, because again, it's a formative time. We are lucky to have had content similar to this, like Cadet Kelly. I, I think it's one of my favorite audiences. And I, I think we're lucky to have been tween girls in what I would call the golden age of tween <laughs> content. Like, like think about it. Like, it's it wasn't the, it wasn't peak TV. It wasn't the golden age of cinema, but it was the golden age of making shit for people aged twelve to thirteen. You know, yeah, like yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's all I I've got to say about this movie. Same. <laughs> this was lovely. Not a minute too soon because we've been talking for over two hours. Oh no! <laughs> Help. Well, if you have crushes, <laughs> I haven't checked the email. <laughs> It's okay. I doubt anybody's got to us. But if you have crushes, email us at supernovagirls2049 at gmail.com, as always. But if you're not looking for that, if you're looking to follow us on social media, follow the Twitter at From A to Xenon and uh, follow Adam at the podcast Adam. I'm at Jehan413 and Avery. I am at Camille Says 36. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. Go uh, rate, subscribe, and review on podcasts. So catch some waves. Okay, Allah, que lo maine.